Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications that's within the clutch sports apparel your one-stop shop for all your unique phantom sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports your favorite players and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have go to in and use promo code belly up show for 10 percent off your order today with free shipping on orders of a hundred dollars or more again that's promo code belly show for 10 percent off your unique fandom collection today this is the md's fantasy football show with dan mader giving you the x's and o's of all things fantasy Welcome in, MD Nation, and thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live exclusively on YouTube tonight. That's what we're going to be doing from now on for all of our full live episodes. Please download us after the show on your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review to help us out on the show. It's been a hiatus. We've been on vacation. We're finally back, and I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, but I'm so happy to introduce to you the one, the only, the legendary, Mr. Bob Lung, Mr. Fantasy Football Expo himself at the FF Expo, the author of the Consistency Fantasy Football Guide, nominated for the best fantasy football publication out there you could get. Bob, thank you for joining the show. And how's the organizing going, man, for the Expo coming up in August? The way you just presented is how my brain spins on a daily basis right now. It's just <laughs> going to explode at any minute. Um, but it's all good. I'm so excited. Uh, it's just mind-numbing that it's less than two and a half weeks away. Um, but things are coming together. Everything's coming in place. That's the way it always works. Um, you panic, you panic, and then you give it all, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, this was easy, right? You know. <laughs> Um, but thank goodness my wife and my kids and everybody's all chipping in, volunteers, my friends, family, uh, which is what it's kind of a family affair. You'll meet all of them when you come. And uh, just excited to be here. Thank you. It's my first time on the Belly Up show. And uh, nice to meet all you guys. And uh, really excited about you guys having a booth and being a big part of it this year. 
can't wait. And uh, did any of you come last year? No. No, so this, year, this is your first year. So I, I, I hope you enjoyed as much as people did last year. Um, we got bigger and better this year. We've expanded everything you can think of. If you walk out of, you walk out Sunday and you feel like, gosh, that was kind of boring. Please tell me because I don't know how you did it. <laughs> There's, there's no possible way. Yeah, we're going to be there for the full weekend, the 12th, all the way through the 14th. Uh, Chris, we're, we're pumped. We're ready to go. Chris, how are you? It's been a couple of weeks for you because you missed the last show. You had a little bit of problems with my internet issues. Uh, but, yeah, I'm super excited. I can't believe we're Expo's right around the corner. Got my invite recently for the quarterback challenge also that we're going to be doing during the Expo. Uh, it's a whole weekend event. For one, you know, I've got it packed. So I'm super excited. My first time going, and I'm, I can't wait to get there. Yeah, by the way, I just want to drop this in there real quick. Belly of Fantasy, we're one person short to actually register for a full eight-man team right now. So if you're out there and you want to DM us, we just need one guy, and we'll have a full flag football team to be able to register. Is that We just need one one person. I would get Danielle, our intern, in here, but she's not going to be able to come. Uh, Danielle, she's in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before, before you guys got here in the show, a little Bob swore she was in the hospital with <laughs> Look, she's a very dedicated intern. It wouldn't shock me if she still decided to produce the show, which is what she's going to be doing today from the hospital, if that actually was the case. But what are we going to talk about today, Danielle? We are going to talk about the NFC West. Nice. Beautiful. Love it. Danielle, we're going to see you throughout the show, chime back in, but all the drops and everything, that'll be her work behind the scenes. So we'll give her some props again and see her at least by the end of the show, if nothing else. So we'll see you soon. But yeah, let's go ahead and just get into this thing because there's a lot of news breaking around the NFC West as of late, especially with this first guy that we're going to talk about right off the jump with my first lock him in. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Kyler Murray signs his contract extension. Look, we knew it was coming. They finally got the deal done. They got it done before they got the training camp. His ADP right now is sitting at QB5. I have him ranked at QB4. That's nitpicking. That's neither here nor there. The question is not, is Kyler Murray a top-five quarterback or should he be valued as a top-five quarterback? The question is, can he be any higher than that if he's not going to have DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks? And, and this is my other thing, and I'm going to ask this to Bob, what do you think? what is it going to take for him to improve in his red zone efficiency? Because to me, that's the biggest thing that holds him back from just being a top two guy every single season. 24th last year in his completion percentage in the red zone, and it was just as bad as rookie season. So what are you looking at with Kyler Murray this year? I mean, first off, I'm glad he signed because I was tired of his whining. Um, <laughs> in fact, I have him ranked seventh until today. I might boost him up now because I literally thought this guy was a head case. Um, you know, the random take my stuff down off my Twitter feed, blah, blah, blah. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants to pay. I mean, just shut up. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, and that's why I dropped him down because I'm like, I don't think this guy's head's in it. Now that he's been paid, I'm not sure I feel like that much better, but I guess at least he's paid. So let's hope he picks it up a little bit. Um, you know, they did have a very strong running game last year with James Conner. He scored a lot of touchdowns in the red zone, which probably hurt Murray from him not throwing a lot of touchdowns. They did get Zach Ertz in the second half, um, who helped him quite a bit. Uh, I think that's important. You know, Marquise Brown is going to spread the field. He may not get as many red zone opportunities because they may be throwing a lot of 60-yard bombs to Marquise Brown. Uh, but I, I see I see him being similar to last year. Let's just hope he can stay healthy uh, you know, last year he missed three games at uh, inopportune times for your fantasy teams. Seventy-nine uh, percent consistent, which is actually second best last year behind Josh Allen, uh, but tenth in total points because of the three missed games. Um, I'll probably bump him up a little bit. Put him. I had. I actually had Stafford ahead of him. I'll probably bump him ahead of Stafford, but I don't know if I can put him ahead of Joe Burrow at this point. Um, it's close because he does run a little bit, but. It'll be one of these things to see where his ADP goes. You know, like if he falls to me in round five or six, yeah, maybe. Um, but I'm not sure I'm going to be reaching out for him in round four to beat somebody to him kind of thing, I guess. No, I, I, even when I rank him at QB4, look, I'm, I'm a late quarterback drafter. Even right. Josh Allen, who's my number one QB overall, 
I'm not even thinking about him until the third round. And that does kind of where my scale is when it comes to the quarterback position right. in general. So I'm kind of with you there if you're looking at that overall. But, Chris, you look at Kyler Murray. What do we expect out of him when DeAndre Hopkins, we know he's in his first six weeks. Yes, they do have Marquise Brown, who's better than the $20 million man over there in Jacksonville. But he was QB7 without Hopkins last season. Is there really any reason to worry about it? What are some of your concerns, if any, at all? I'm not worried about the Hopkins part. I mean, maybe a little bit more of the efficiency in the red zone, as you kind of alluded to. I think the key for Kyler Murray, whether he's going to be productive or not, or a top five guy that you want to take high is he's going to run the ball. And when you get paid, a lot of times the quarterback stop running. You saw him last year talk about wanting to stop running as much. You saw that kind of happen on the field. He did get injured last year, had some ankle issues. And that's when you kind of saw his season kind of just you know, plateau in a sense. And I think that's where you're going to kind of wonder, is Kyler Murray going to run? Is he going to run? Because in the red zone, that's what it matters. That's what, he's not going to throw the ball any more accurate. I think he's going to have more weapons, so I'm not really worried about Hopkins being away. I think the production passing game should still be there, even actually increasing, because I think they have more depth of weapons, weapons. But is he going to run the ball? And that's kind of the difference. Is he that top two, or is he just kind of you know smelling at top five? Yeah, and, and look, we're painting a picture here. Like we're, There's some concerns that we have about Kyler Murray, even though I have him ranked inside the top five. But here's what I will say. When it comes to actually drafting, it's about value. It's about where you get some of these guys at. So, I'm Chris, I'll ask you this question, because I know where I'm at on this. Would you rather draft a Jalen Hurts round eight, that territory, or a Kyler Murray in round five? For myself, I'm looking at about having a Jalen Hurts meeting around the eight. I like to have two quarterbacks, but I'm not going to have a top five guy necessarily, I'm guaranteed. Um, and I don't like to spend the capital unless a guy I really am big on. Kyler Murray has a little bit of worse, and I think Bob alluded to it. I don't think it necessarily just goes away because he got paid. This guy has a little bit of a head case. He's always flirting with baseball. He's always kind of flirting outside. This whole rhetoric that he doesn't, you know, need to watch game tape because he sees the game so clearly by himself. He doesn't need to even watch any game film. Um, I think that's probably why he has efficiency issues in the red zone. He's not going to grow any taller. So you put all those things together, I think all these things are going to be problems for Kyler Murray. And I think that, you know, there could be some chinks in armor you saw seeing in the season last year. The ankle is a big problem, but he missed a lot of easy throws. And this guy, when he's rattled, he in his head, he can get thrown off his game. So I think that's where the consistency part kind of comes into play. But that's also why the rushing comes into play, too. And that's why he still gets, you know, he's still a mid-level at worst QB1. But there's another guy that I'm going to lock in in the NFC West, the quarterback position. Lock him in. It's a lock. We're locking in Matthew Stafford as a top 12 quarterback. His ADP is QB11. I actually have him ranked right there with the ADP at QB11. So, I, you know, from hearing Bob a little bit earlier, I'm going to be a little bit lower than you. Last year, he finished the quarterback five i look at that as his ceiling you had a wide receiver who broke all those records he finally gets in with sean mcveigh teams might have a little bit of adjustment to him on tape but maybe and because you're higher than him you can answer this am i discounting the fact that they added alan robinson and draft and projecting him more towards his floor than his ceiling what do you think about stafford and his situation this year i think last year was his ceiling but i also don't think he has that low of a floor so like Let's say he ends up seventh in fantasy points, right? I mean, he was also third in consistency at 76%. Um, and again, only Josh Allen and, and um, Kyler Murray were ahead of him. But he played all 17 games as well. I feel like you pretty much break even with Robert Woods and Allen Robinson. I mean, what a lot of people don't remember because of the fact that Woods got hurt was Woods was seven out of eight in consistency. So he was 88% through the first eight games that he played. But after he got hurt, everybody kind of forgot about him. Well, if Allen Robinson can match that, then I see no reason why Stafford can't match his scenario there from a passing standpoint. What we have to also remember is Cam Akers didn't play, but they did have a decent between the Sony Mitchell, Daryl Henderson scenario. But let's be honest, we haven't seen Cam Akers play at the level we think Cam Akers can play. If he doesn't have that burst and he looks as bad as he did in the playoffs in late season, I think Stafford's going to have to throw the ball a lot again to keep up with these, with these teams and that, you know, the NFC West, they're obviously playing the hardest schedule because they won a Super Bowl. They were first place. Um, they're going to have to really put up some points. And I think this offense and Stafford can be just as productive as last year. I don't know if he'll beat that, but I don't think he's going to drop. He's going to regress as much as I think, people think he might interesting chris uh, chris am i too low on matthew stafford are you more along the line with bob 
I mean, I think it's it's kind of hard when you get in that top ten, outside of the top three, in a sense, it's kind of debatable who's going to kind of fall there. It's, you know, you're kind of splitting hairs with some guys, but I'm I'm with Bob. I think uh, you know Matthew Stafford to me, I don't think he necessarily hit his ceiling. That was his first year in that offense. People like it's not something he just you know has been playing this entire time. It's his first year. He was still kind of banged up last year. He still saw kind of issues with his back bothering him a little bit. He still saw some of the velocity kind of wasn't there. If Matthew Stafford's healthy. Second year in the system with all the weapons, and you're not kind of mid, um, interchanging weapons throughout the season, so you're not going to have a Van Jefferson being number two, then replacing Woods, and then OBJ jumping in, and somebody else jumping in. You're going to have kind of some consistency and whole offseason kind of getting on the same page with these guys. A division that I think is right for the taking, again, I'm not loving any of those defense necessarily, so I think this is definitely Matthew Stafford could be a top 10 quarterback, if not maybe a top five again. Look, I'm not going to argue he can be a top 10, but I still view the five as the ceiling. The other reason why I have him at 11 is because I have a hard time ranking him ahead of some of these other quarterbacks because there's just a lot of really good ones packed in my top 10. Like right now, I got Russell Wilson at QB 10. I have Dak Prescott at QB 9. I have Joe Burrow at QB 8. I can't confidently so, myself rank him in front of any of those players. For me, Joe Burrow is the one I can easily rank him ahead of. We look at, you know, oh, I, I disagree with that completely. I think it could be maybe Bob maybe hit on this. When you look at consistency and production week in, week out, Joe Burrow last year was horrendous. He only had most of his production about four or five games, um, I think, spurt there. His, his consistency versus Matthew Stafford's consistency is not even the same ballpark. So for me, Joe Burrow is definitely not a guy I'm not putting ahead of Matthew Stafford yet at all. No, hit that state your case. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Bob, it's up to you to break the tie. Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford? Well, so, you know, again, we look at last year. As I said, you know, uh, Stafford was fifth. Burrow was eighth. Burrow didn't miss one game, um, which could certainly be the difference. Uh, Burrow was 69% versus the 76%, so eighth versus third there. But that's close enough. I mean, that's one game that makes the difference so if i'm gonna pick i have to I, I will say that in my rankings again i have burrow fifth um and i have stafford six right now and like i said i might move kyler murray ahead of stafford so i'll say right now i would go with joe burrow ahead of stafford but what i will say is that the difference in adps may lead me to passing on burrow in round five and taking stafford in round nine or ten that, and that part is 100% fair. And again, it goes back to drafting for value. But we got to move on here. Let's talk about the San Francisco situation. Be cautious of Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking out, I'm looking out right now for the San Francisco situation. Now, Trey Lance is ADPs at QB 15. My rank's sitting at QB 19. That has to get updated with the latest news that's come out with Jimmy Garoppolo, him being given permission to seek a trade. Because uh, before this, I, I made this outline you know, earlier this week. And my question to the panel was going to be, if the 49ers don't get the package they want, and Jimmy G's still around, and he's healthy, How? what are realistically the odds that he's actually starting quarterback still come week one for this team? I didn't expect them to give him permission to go out there and say, hey, you know what, you go find a situation you want to be part of, and we'll try to see if we can make a package to make it work. That changes things for me as far as the definitiveness of them trading Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason. So that's going to change my rank on Trey Lance, my long-winded way of saying I'll be updating that soon to come. So let's put it this way. When it comes to Lance, what offense are we going to see? Because I don't see a guy who's a good passer. Sorry, I don't. I don't like his fundamentals. I don't like his throwing motion. He was he heavily inaccurate in the two games that he did play last season. Played, he was QB 20 against the Arizona Cardinals. He did want to be QB 10 against the Houston Texans. A lot of that had to do with the, you know, nobody covering Debo Samuel down the sideline pass touchdown that he got in that game too. Are we going to just see a Baltimore-style RPO action, Bob, or am I just am I just downgrading Trey Lance too much too soon? 
No, you're perfectly fine with Trey Lance because I'm in the exact boat as you are. I do not have any love for Trey Lance. I think I have him ranked 23rd. Um, All right. I just don't believe in this kid either. I saw some of the games. Um, you know, I drove John Lynch during Hall of Fame weekend last year. I asked him about Trey versus Jimmy, and he said, you know, Jimmy is our quarterback, and you know, but it's his job to lose which was just his way of saying that, you know, if Trey can step up and prove that he's worth it, then we'll put him in. Guess what? Did not. Um, in the games where Jamie, you know, didn't play or was injured, Trey did not impress. Um, he looked lost. Um, thank goodness for Debo Samuel running the ball out of the backfield and, you know, Elijah Mitchell and all them helping out on that defense. Um, I, I, I'm very uh, – I don't like that offense with Trey Lance um, at all. The only thing I can hope for is, like you said, they do more of the RPO style. So guys like Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuels comes back and runs the ball again. Um, those guys, I think, can be beneficial in that offense. Um, maybe George Kittle a little bit because Lance probably isn't going to throw the ball very far um, or take too many chances. Ayuk would be pretty much worthless, in my opinion. I, I'm not digging that situation either. So I, I'm, as, as they say on Shark Tank, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, let's put on our GM hats real quick and take off our fantasy caps for a split second. Jimmy G, there's talk about him going to Houston. I don't see why he'd go there because they're not a Jimmy G away from being a playoff contender. Let's talk about going to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, right. The 49ers are not going to trade their quarterback to their in-division partner. They're talking about going to Cleveland. Well, that's not going to happen if Deshaun Watson's not going to get suspended for the entire season. That would make no sense for them either. So where, in your opinion, does Jimmy G actually make sense? I think Seattle makes the most sense, but I think that it's a situation that you're not, he's not going to get traded there, and I don't think he's going to get cut to go there. I think that's going to be the problem. If you're his agent, you want people to think there's, you know, a team that can pay him, such as Houston. I think that's why you're even here by Houston. Cleveland sounds like an opportunity for Deshaun Watson, but I think that makes a lot of sense because even as a backup, I don't see Jimmy G having a clear position other than Seattle for that starting position. So if he thinks he's going to get paid or save some kind of face getting you know out of this contract with the 49ers, I think he's going to be in for a rude awakening. Um, so I think that's where you're kind of looking at right now. Unless there's somebody gets injured, I think you've got to kind of look for a high-profile backup position. Cleveland's probably the best chance, chance you could go for but I just don't see them being involved with him. That, and that, that's just my thing. But we're running short on time, so let's get to our last two quarterbacks I want to be cautious of. Be cautious of. All right. Well, not that you're going to draft a Drew Locke or a Geno Smith. Nobody is. But, dear Lord, are we really in this position? Unless Jimmy G gets cut, like Chris alluded to, which is the only way he winds up in Seattle, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I think he doesn't get cut, to be honest with you. Uh, what are we looking at at Drew Locke and Geno Smith? Why do we think that Drew Locke could be play any better in Seattle than he did in Denver? And, Bob, I'll just ask you this. Drew Locke, Geno Smith, which one is the week one starter? I don't know. Is Jim Zorn still alive? Um, <laughs> I think they're probably going to give Drew Locke the first shot to suck at it. Um <laughs> And then once he proves he's not very good, then they'll bring Geno Smith as just a, well, why the hell not? Um, and then at that point, then, you know, things open up. You know, maybe maybe Deshaun Watson, is, now it's week six and Deshaun Watson's back in Cleveland and they trade Jacoby Bissett there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a disaster. I mean, I used to be a big fan of Metcalf. I... You know, it's again, it's a lot like the San Francisco scenario. It's just poor quarterback play can just be disastrous. And we saw it in Denver the last couple of years with Drew Locke. Um, you know, Corbin Sutton, Jerry Judy, they have all these talented wide receivers, Noah Fan at tight end, and, and they basically were worthless to fantasy people, fantasy teams. Um, I see the same thing with Metcalf and Lockett and, and those folks. You know, now, granted, we know Pete Carroll is going to run the ball 400 times a game anyway until Rashad Penny's arm or legs fall off, which will be game one. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, then they'll slap in the rookie uh, Walker for a while. So I, to me, it's a hot mess. I don't I don't want to draft any Seattle Seahawks whatsoever. But if I had to pick who the week one is, I'm going to go with uh, Drew Locke. 
Oh man, you know what? Let's let's get a little more uplifted. Let's get let's shift into the running backs. Let's talk about somebody who I'm really excited about when I lock him in for the running back position. Lock him in. It's a lock. I'm locking in Cam Akers right now. His ADP is at RB17. I have him at RB11. I think it's a good thing he came back as quickly as he did last season. Not a bad thing. I'm not worried about the inefficiencies because it was such a quick return. There's no way he was going to be 100%. What I focus in on is the fact that it was the playoffs, the most important part of their season. And instead of easing Cam Akers in, Sean McVay said, I'm giving you a full workload because that's what he really wants to do. That's how much he trusts the running back that Cam Akers potentially could be. And when you mix in a guy who could be the workhorse running back with this offense, I present to you at least a bottom line RB1. And that even goes to my Darrell Henderson point, who right now his ADP is sitting at RB41. I got him ranked at RB54. That's my reflection of I am not expecting a platoon situation. I am expecting this to be Cam Akers' backfield. Chris, what do you think about that? I 100% agree. I mean, I think it was obvious in the playoff run that Cam Akers is the guy they prefer to have back there. I also think schematically, you saw Todd Gross usage. It kind of hides what you're going to do personnel-wise, and you kind of have a, a you know, pass-catching back in the backfield. Some of those builder shows before, and it's kind of obvious you're probably going to call. I think Sean McVay likes to have that kind of keeping teams off guard, especially if they're offense, where it keeps you off balance. So I think that you're going to see Cam Akers be the primary of the guy now. Is he going to get kind of scaled back a bit? Is he going to get you know, Le- um, Le'Veon Bell back in the day touches or, or Najee Harris in last year touches? No, I don't think he's written that far. But I think you're going to see a guy who's going to be you know still not Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry, but still a guy who could be an RB1 for sure. I think even 11 is a little bit low for I think he's going to want finishing. His offense is really explosive. Like I said, I talked about his defenses in his division. I'm not really a big fan of them, uh, particularly Arizona's got weaker. So I, I think this is a chance for Cam Akers to really show who he is, what he is. And I think you know he could be easily finished top five. So I think top 10 is definitely in, in the cards this year. I do want to hear Bob's response because it sounded like you were a little bit lower on Cam Akers earlier. Yeah, I am a little bit. I, I, I have no problem drafting him as my RB2. Um, I'm not sure I'm ready to put him in a, a RB1 situation to be able to have to rely on him yet. Um, but the, the good thing is his ADP is around, well, at least last time I checked, was about RB19. Um, is that what you have now? I have RB17, but it depends 17. on where you Okay, go. so yeah. he's moved up a little bit since what I put in the magazine. Um, like I said, I have a 22. I've seen him go in that arena. You know, I haven't seen him go as an RB1 yet. Um, You know, I certainly want to see a little bit out of training camp. You know, show me some hype videos, something to make me feel a little bit better that he's running with a little more burst or at least hear from some beat writers uh, before I I bump him up a little too much. Uh, Because I think there's some good depth at the RB2 position this year that, you know, you can draft some players in those scenario that that can be just as consistent, just in, in a little bit healthier, knowing that they're a little bit healthier. Um, so again, I'm not as high on him, but I, I see the potential there because of his youth. Sir. Well, and this is the thing about the NFC West running backs in general. There's a lot of questions about a lot of them. So let's talk about our next guy that I'm looking out for a little bit. Look out for. I'm looking out for James Conner. So I actually, funny enough, his ADP right now is RB19. I have him ranked at RB17, so I'm two spots higher than the ADP. But that re- when you do what we do and you're projecting these guys, there's a baseline right now for James Conner that's hard to ignore. You have no more Chase Edmonds. I don't really care what you think about Darrell Williams. He's not going to come in there to take 60 to 70% of the passing work that Chase Edmonds was going to be doing. And he's certainly not going to kick James Conner out of his role of being a early down back, and especially where it matters the most and what James Conner saw, why he fantasy boomed last year, the goal line situation. So I think the Real Williams is there to be a backup, but Conner's never really been healthy for an entire season, especially when he's been given a full workload. So you have that red flag. You also have the fact that most players, most running backs who fall somewhere around that 18 the 22 mark in their ADPs, they they bust a lot of the time. That's why they have a running back dead zone, as they would call it. Chris, what's your confidence level on a James Conner this season? I mean, I think you got what you 
it's really difficult because I think you look at a guy who should be an RB1 with a potential opportunity. I'm not, you know, as poo-pooing the other guys as you seem to be. I think Williams is going to get some touches. I think, I think you're going to see Benjamin, you know, Benjamin get some touches. They drafted uh, Ingram out of this year. So I think you're going to see some guys other get split in the backfield, especially in the passing situations. So it won't be just his backfield. But the key thing for me is his health. And James Carr has been healthy. Even if he is to be that bell cow back, what would that last a game or two? Because we haven't seen him be a bell cow back for almost four or five years now. Even in Pittsburgh, that was kind of the MO he struggled with. That he could never kind of handle the full load. I don't think that's going to change anything. I think he's a good, really great RB2. Potential to have an RB1 season. But you're just looking for a guy who's bound to get hurt at some point during the season. And I feel like for me, it's really kind of hard to kind of put in a discussion as an RB1 when you almost haven't seen that for you know, almost what, four, five, six years now. Yeah. Look, there's a situation in San Francisco that I'm always on the lookout for. Look out for... All right, Eli Mitchell. This is where we got to figure this out. San Francisco, they don't have year-to-year running backs in the Kyle Shanahan era. It doesn't happen. Now, he's tasked with that possibility. His ADP right now sits at RB21. I have him a little bit lower at RB23. Whenever he was given a big workload, he would get nicked up. And the problem with that this year is that, well, they drafted Tyrion Davis-Price. So we don't worry about Trey Sermon, who was in the doghouse last year, having a chance to take back the job or take over the job. But maybe Tyrion Davis-Price can't. And that's one of the things you have to worry about with Kyle Shanahan is his ability to just play the hot hand no matter what happens. So, Bob, when when you look at Eli Mitchell, while you know he can be valuable – What's your confidence level in drafting him as that RB2? I think there's, again, I think there's so many good, more consistent, more dependable running backs at the RB2 level this year um, that I don't think Mitchell's going to fall in a lot into my a lot of my team's rosters. Um, like you said, he missed, you know, six games last year. You know, a lot of games that he did play in, he got hurt and, you know, went out and, and didn't perform well. Uh, you know, he was his consistency was 64 percent, which ranked him 17th. But that's only in 11 games. So, yeah. And, and like you said, Shanahan's definitely, you know, uh, gets gets a little trigger, you know, finger gets a little trigger, itchy, itchy trigger finger there. Um, I could see, you know, like you said, price coming in there especially if Mitchell goes out for a game or two. And if that kid looks good, it might be tough for Mitchell to get back into the game. Last year, he got lucky because he had Mostert and Sermon and all them, and nobody nobody wanted the job or at least didn't play like they did. So, yeah, I mean, I, I have Mitchell as an RB2 rank. I think he's 22nd or 23rd. Uh, but it's really more just because of, there's so many question marks of players below him. No, and agreed. And the other thing I'll throw in there is that 49er running backs, they don't catch the ball. And that, that also drives down, even though he has that skill set, it also drives down what could be a bottom-out floor. We're talking about an RB2. Last running back room to look out for. Look out for... Oh, Seattle. Oh, Pete Carroll. So this is one thing that I was actually pleasantly surprised about because Rashad Penny, for most of the offseason, had been the prime example of a guy of why recency bias is a terrible thing. However, his ADP right now is at RB31. That's also where I have him ranked. So I'm not going to be hard on the public because they've actually come down a little bit. There's a lot of question marks, right? They brought him back on a one-year prove-it deal, even though he had that great run last season. They drafted Kenneth Walker with the second-round pick. We've already had our dismay about what the quarterback situation is going to mean for Seattle. So, Chris, you look at Rashad Petty, who's my RB31, and you look at Kenneth Walker, his ADP at RB36, my RP, my RB34. What are you expecting the Seattle backfield to be like over the course of this season, and which one are you going to draft? I'm going to draft Walker. I think Penny's going to be the starter to kick off this season. He did get the deal. He got the one-year million extension. So he's probably get that first crack at the job. But I expect this to be a 50-50 split for the most part as, as long as they can kind of hold out for it. Maybe you see a little bit more late Aaron Jones and E.J. Dillon role where maybe the 60-40-ish split. But I think you're going to see kind of these guys have their roles and then rotating um, on down, similar to what you saw in Denver last year, Melvin Ford, Javante Williams. 
I think that's a good comparison to kind of see you're going to see the other guys kind of throwing in there, whether it's DJ Dallas or somebody else kind of in their passing situations as well. Walker really didn't show you can catch the ball necessarily in Michigan, so that's going to be some questions whether you do that in pass protect. But overall, we know Rashad Penny is basically a walking injury waiting to happen. He was very effective, but it was at the end of the season. And when you look at this team, just see how it's kind of running, playing against, they aren't playing for a whole lot, guys. So Rashad, Rashad Penny ran really great, really hard. But when you're running hard, really great towards the end of the season, progressive teams don't really care. I kind of question whether your arch is, you know, is really that explosive. Or you're that great player, or is the team kind of giving up and you kind of got, you know, hit the right thing at the right time? So for me, I think this guy is going to be kind of spaced out as the starter as the season progresses. I think Walker guys the fairest run capital on him. I think he's a more talented guy. But I think for the most part, you're going to have a guy who you can probably play the flex and start as maybe RB two, RB three option week in week out. So both these guys aren't bad to own, but Walker to me is the guy who can basically win it all for you maybe at the end of the season. Bob is a very forgiving guest because I said RP like three times. Nobody called me out on it. I really appreciate that. I'm talking about relief pitchers. I'm talking about running backs. And I, yeah, so got a very nice crowd that we have here today. We got to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about wide receivers, talk about some of the tight ends, what we're seeing there in the NFC West. So everybody stay tuned to the Empty's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got pushed? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nut sack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using the discount code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush worst nightmare. With the Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website, too, to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to level up your game from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. So one more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live exclusively on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, hit the little notifications alert, and download us on your favorite podcast app after the show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined by my co-host, Chris Dowhauer, and we have the great, legendary Bob Lung here with us on the show to help us break down the NFC West. Bob, I want you to answer this question from the fan that's coming in here from the Boston Strangler. Is the number one Seattle running back going to maybe be a flex play or a bi-week fill-in if they're going to see stacked boxes in Seattle? It's a good question. I mean, you know, as I think I said earlier, I really don't want much to do at all with the Seattle offense. Um, I'd say maybe, I mean, I think in a, a he's definitely a good flex role player, um, you know, I think he's definitely better than a bi-week fill-in, and whether it's Walker or Penny, 
Um, you know, your best bet is to draft them both and maybe hope one of them work out for the season, but you might just be playing, you know, mixing it back and forth. And that's stuff we've seen in the past out of Pete Carroll too, is, you know, when Chris Carson and Penny and, and they had, um, I forget who the other guy was, um, he's gone now. Huh? Christian Michael. Yeah. You know, they were inter intermixing them, you know, because one would get hurt. So one would come in and then, then that person had a hot week. So they started for a week and then they were out a week. I mean, it was just a, a, a management nightmare for your fantasy teams. I'm really probably totally out on it, but I think at least when they play, they're at least a flex value. Great answer there from Bob. All right, let's talk about some wide receivers. And I got one obvious starter. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Shocker. His name is Mr. Cooper Cup. His ADP is wide receiver one. I have him ranked at wide receiver one. I do struggle with ranking him at wide receiver one, though, because he's going to regress. He broke all these records. You're going to regress. Now, he could regress quite a bit and still be the wide receiver one overall, arguably speaking. I may be moving Justin Jefferson up to that by the end of August. We'll have to see. But right now, I feel like I had to put respect on the king. What do you think, Bob? Yeah, no, it's kind of hard to argue. And I, and I feel the same way. I had a conversation one of the podcasts I've been on this earlier this week. It was the same kind of scenario. Like, you know, which of these three guys are going to regress, you know, or, or yeah, basically regress. And it was um, Jefferson, Chase, and Cub. And I said, well, I think we all have to expect Cub's going to regress, but that doesn't mean he still can't be the number one right receiver, especially since he was, what, 80 points ahead of second place? Yeah. Uh, so he can drop 80 points and still be in first and still maintain that 100% consistency, and that is very rare. I mean, that's probably only the fourth time I've seen a receiver go 100%. I've seen Adams do it once. I've seen A.B. do it once or twice, two seasons in a row, actually, and D-Hop. That's the only other ones that I've seen go 100% in a season at wide receiver. Let's lock in some of these other guys. Lock them in. It's a lock. All right, so, yes, I'm locking in Debo Samuel as a top 10 receiver. His ADP is wide receiver 6. I have him ranked two spots lower at wide receiver 8. Do I feel as confident about him with Trey Lance? No. Do I have questions about how much he'll actually be in the backfield? Yes, because remember, one of the big things that Debo had with his problem with his contract extension is that he doesn't want to be a running back or he doesn't want to be a, a running receiver, as they were trying to call him, or whatever it was they were trying to call him. And that was one of his stipulations. Now, Will he probably line up in the backfield on some plays? Yes. But will it be to the level that it was, especially in the second half of the season? I'd be highly surprised after he signs what should be a contract extension coming soon, presumably after they get rid of Jimmy G. But, Chris, so Debo, if he goes out with Trey Lance, are you going to knock him outside your top 10 or are you going to put him inside your top 10 but maybe not be as excited about him as some of the other guys in that range? He's outside my top 10, and I think a big part of it is not just Trey Lance, but also the production he had last year. If you take away that running attack and then rushing touchdowns particularly, Debo Samuel isn't a top 10 receiver. So I think that's where you need to make sure that you're looking at the value from what he did last year for what he did before that. I think that if this youth guy is going to be utilizing the passing attack, then yeah, because Trey Lance has knocked that down. But if you're looking for a guy who would reproduce what he did last year, well, if he's not playing the same role, then how's he going to do that again? So for me, Debo Samuel is not a guy that I have in my top 10 at all. Bob, where did you have Debo ranked? I actually have him fifth. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I'm expecting him to sign. I feel like the I don't want to be a running back is also a way of saying, oh, I can be a running back. It depends on how much I'm paid. Um, so I, I think that's really kind of part of this whole, uh, you know, game that they're playing with the contract, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this, you know, but I feel like if they came to him and said, look, we're going to pay you to be, you know, right up there with these other contracts like Tyreek and some of them, and we're going to put you at that level, but you have to be, you have to, you know, be what you were because you're very successful at it and you're very productive at it and it helps our team. Um, if you don't want to run, then here's this contract for $20 million less. Oh, yeah, I'll run. <laughs> so then then he has the same value as he had last year, which was ranked third and fourth. So I have him fifth. I mean, every day 
he doesn't sign. I think we all get a little bit twitchier about the whole thing, but I, I feel like it, it'll happen. I can't imagine John Lynch is going to let the season start without him unless somebody swoops in with some kind of trade, massive signing kind of thing from another team, but I don't think that's going to happen. Chris, I saw you shaking your head. No, what, what are you thinking over there? I just don't see them. Why would he want to give up the money? He's going to get paid regardless, Bob. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. DK Metcalf is going to get paid, so he doesn't run the ball. Marquis Brown is going to get paid. He doesn't run the ball. So he does not run the ball. So that, I think that's where he looks at it. I can get my career last in maybe 230s. Or if I run like a running back, I can be done really early. And then Dan Blue, just in our show previous, kind of has a very long injury history. So put all those things together, I think it's kind of beneficial for him and his agent to get team the receiver and keep limiting his touches. So I would be surprised if he kind of wants to run the ball as much. Similar to the quarterbacks I talked about earlier, a lot of times when the guys get paid, they don't want to keep getting hit. Right. Uh, Boston Strangler commented it again, having Cup and Robinson top four means Stafford will be a top three quarterback. It's more of a statement about Stafford. Uh, Boston Strangler, I'll just say to you, Robinson's my top four in the NFC West wide receiver but we're going to get to him in just a second. There's a big difference between that and where I have him ranked at fantasy, not to confuse you. But there is another guy I want to talk to before we get to him that I'll have locked in right now in my top 20. Lock him in. It's a lock. Okay, that's Marquise Brown, baby. We know Marquise Brown's got six weeks of glory in front of him to start off the season. We get it. Okay. His ADP right now is wide receiver 24. I got him ranked at wide receiver 19. The reason for that is I think it's finally time that a second receiver who's actually good and not named Christian Kirk can pair up with DeAndre Hopkins and be really good. We saw Will Fuller do it. I'm not saying Kyler Murray is definitively Deshaun Watson as a passer, but I think that offense and the way it's run can definitely have two top 20 receivers once, you know, Hopkins is back on a weekly basis. But is that what we expect out of Marquise Brown? Do we think he maintains top 20 status when Hopkins returns, Bob? I do, because I think having D-Hop on the other side now makes it more difficult for teams to be able to cover both of them. Um, you know, Marquise, I think, will have – he's going to get peppered with targets because there's no D-Hop. But I think while he might get less targets, I think he'll get a better – he'll be more efficient with his targets and his catches and probably get more yards, possibly even more touchdowns out of that scenario – where he may struggle with that. He might get more like six catches for 70 yards early on, where he might be five catches for 90 yards down the, you know, in the second half with D-Hop on the other side, taking away the top corner and defenses have to now watch after both. Chris, what do you think? Because Marquise Brown's your boy, so I'll, let me, I'll let you answer on this one. No, I, I think that he's definitely going to eat. I think that I agree that you, whatever attention you take away from Marquise Brown isn't going to hurt him. I think it's going to help him. The volume is a different offense, completely from the Ravens' offense. So I think Marquise Brown's definitely successful with the Hopkins is in there. All right, let's start with some look out for wide receivers in this division. Look out for... Allen Robinson. I'm looking out for him in a good way his ADP right now is wide receiver 30 I got him ranked my wide receiver 22 for all the people out there who have doubted Allen Robinson who have said that he's done he's washed you're going to be proven very very wrong this season OBJ was not his OBJ self and yet he was very good Robert Woods is a very good receiver but he does not have the talent skill set of an Allen Robinson Right now, Robinson's one of my big value receivers that you can get in those middle rounds about where he's going between that fourth and sixth round overall at the moment. Chris, where is your level on an Allen Robinson, especially a motivated Allen Robinson in a Sean McVay offense? With Matthew Stafford throwing the ball, I think the floor is really great for Allen Robinson this year. I don't know if the ceiling is necessarily something going to be outrageous. I think Robert Woods, what you Bob kind of talked about his production last year and how consistent he was, I think is a good kind of outlier to kind of look at. Maybe a little bit more uptick in the red zone because you know Stafford were actually going to throw it up high for the bigger receiver. But I think overall, looking for guys that can be consistent week in, week out. You're not going to have necessarily a receiver one probably very often because I don't see the you know, huge gains out of him, but I can see a lot of games where you're going to have five, six catches, that, you know, 70, 80 yards and a touchdown. So the Robert Woods comparison and that receiver number two or three in that range offense for the last few years has been very productive. This next guy, DeAndre Hopkins, his ADP wide receiver 35. 
I haven't ranked a wide receiver 30. In good conscience, I could not rank Hopkins lower than the wide receiver 30, even though he's missing six games. And I, I think that's fair. He's a wide receiver three because when he comes back, yes, he's been a little bit nicked up here and there over the past couple of seasons, but he's a wide receiver one when he comes back on a weekly basis. So, Bob, my question is to you, is it worth it drafting him as, say, where I have him ranked at a wide receiver 30 as a wide receiver three and just waiting out those first six weeks before you're able to have him back? Well, I hope so, because about every draft I've been in this summer, I have DeAndre Hopkins as my <laughs> as my receiver on my team. Uh, sometimes I got him as my fourth receiver, and I felt better about that than the third. Uh, but even the ones, the one that actually drafted him as my third receiver was a 14-teamer. Um, and so I drafted Alan Lazard a couple rounds later, and I feel like Lazard can fill in and be productive as an as a wide receiver three. And then I have Devontae Adams and uh, CD Lamb. No, I forget who I forget who the other one is. But anyway, so I have two really good top two receivers. Um, Alan Lazard will play three, and then Hopkins will be back, and I can put Lazard as my flex and start those three guys in the second half or second two thirds of the season. And yeah, I'm I'm all in on the fact I have Hopkins ranked 25th. Um, I'm a little bit higher on that. So, I, but yeah, I'm basically wide receiver three. Um, if you're if you can kind of watch how the draft is going and you see a lot of other players ahead of Hopkins, and you can wait till your wide receiver four, that's even better. But yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, I'll do that every day, all day. I'm glad you laid that out the way you did that. You got DeAndre Hopkins, your wide receiver three, actually on your team. Just think about that. When you go into your playoff run and Hopkins is your third receiver, maybe your flex in some situations, that's why it's worth it to not wait any longer than that point. I can't stress that enough. But for these next two receivers we're going to talk about, I got to see George hit that tree one more time. Look out for... All right, Lord have mercy on this one. Someone needs to explain to me why DK Metcalf's ADP is wide receiver 15 still. I, 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 don't, I don't get it at all. Right now I have him ranked at wide receiver 31. I put him one spot below Hopkins just to illustrate that point of where I am with Hopkins and what DK Metcalf, even with 17 games, is looking like for me with this quarterback situation. I, I'll just throw Tyler Lockett in there too while we're talking about Seattle. His ADP wide receiver 37. I got him ranked all the way down at wide receiver 45. I mean, are we touching anybody, Chris? I mean, can you explain to me why people still have DK Metcalf that high? I don't know if you have in the top 15 and be a little too rich for my blood, but I'm definitely not down on those receivers as much as you are in Seattle. I know the quarterback situation is questionable at best, but these are two of the more talented receivers in the NFL. DK Metcalf is a man child out there. If anybody gets the ball in the vicinity of the guy, he can make the catch. So I, I, I think there's still a lot of value to <laughs> well, I mean, look, this is what I try to go back to. And I know that you talk about Drew Lock being the quarterback. Drew Lock did have a good connection with Cortland Sutton a couple of years ago. Now, last year, it did not happen. But two, for his rookie year, he did have a good connection. Cortland Sutton ate quite well, and Drew Lock did just fine. Geno Smith back in Brandon Marshall, with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker in the Jets, Brandon Marshall ate just fine. So if you're looking for guys, one of these guys that have actually fed a number one receiver, the big, tall, strong guy, that I trust. But we always talk about the league. And usually that slot receiver, when you're a bad offense or a bad quarterback and weak arm guys like a Geno Smith, usually they get peppered on targets. So I think teams are really – people are really down on Ty Lockett and really down on DK Metcalf more because of the quarterback situation. But bad quarterbacks is still a few receivers. I won't be necessarily consistent this week in, week out that you'd run into. And that's why I think you have DK in your top 15. But I, you I can't have him down at 31. That's just – yeah, a guy who's not playing for six weeks behind that guy. Yeah, that's too much for me to you are going back a long ways to find a silver lining with these quarterbacks in production with wide receivers. Last, last time Gino started, what can I say? And what I'm supposed to do? Like, well, look, last year DK had some okay games. Russell Wilson stunk last year, so I can't look what DK did with him. So it's where, what was I supposed to go off of? I'm not saying – I'm just saying we have to go back a long way to find a silver lining. That, that That's all I'm saying. Here's all I'm going to say about this. If Drew Locke plays, I prefer DK Metcalf. If Geno Smith plays, I prefer Tyler Lockett. Either way – I'm not going to have many shares of these guys, as you can see, reflected in the rankings. Uh, Bob, who, who do you side with here? You can break the tie. <laughs> break the tie. Um, like you said, I'm not a big fan of this. I, I I actually have Metcalf like at 20th or 21st. So I'm not as down, but I'm not 
up at the ADP. I'm I'm like, well, maybe Metcalf is my wide receiver three. I might be okay, but again, probably not. So uh, I'm probably out on both. <laughs> no, no tiebreaker. No tiebreaker. Well, we leave it all tied here on the NBA Space Football Show. Let's talk about some receivers I want to watch out for. Be cautious of. I'm really going to limit this down to one guy that I want to talk about right now, and that's Brandon Ayuk. His ADP right now, wide receiver 40. My rank on him is wide receiver 46. I may look to move him down even further. We've been talking negatively about Trey Lance-led 49ers offense all evening. And look, there's you can make an argument that this offense will find a way to feature Debo. We know they'll find a way to feature George Kittle. But even when they had Jimmy G last year, they had problems featuring three weapons. And that's where Brandon Ayuk winds up being the odd man left out. And we just look at last season. It wasn't until Debo Samuel became pretty much a 75% of the time running back that Ayuk finally came back to life because he was able to be targeted in the passing game a little bit more. Again, I go back to, I don't think Debo's going to play that much at running back on that level. Do we go back to Brandon Ayuk dealing with the Trey Lance situation, not being able to be featured? Bob, where are you at on Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, I have him ranked in the mid-40s as well. Um, interesting enough, in the guide I wrote that during the games that Lance started last year, Brandon Ayuk basically disappeared. Um, he was rarely targeted, just wasn't he wasn't getting the ball from Lance at all. Um, it was basically heading towards Debo and, and George Kittle. So, yeah, I, I'm totally out on Ayuk again. I, there's so many other options around that that area. Uh, in the 40s, you know, wide receiver four or five that I, I have much more consistent players that I can draft at that point. Chris, do you have anything to add on Ayuk? I mean, you, you saw Jennings still stealing some of his touches out there last year. They had Brigham Jennings. So I think when Bob alluded to this guy is just not a guy you want to have, even the camp, talking about having one of the worst camps as a professional, you know, last year, supposedly he was a, a problem in the camp last year, too. I think I bring Ayuk because he's got out San Francisco. Yeah. When I drove John Lynch last year, when I asked John, and he didn't know I was a fantasy guy, I just said, who do you like? Who do you like better, Samuel or Ayuk? He goes, Samuel Samuel has been so impressive in camp, and Ayuk just doesn't seem to get it. And that's all he said to me. And at that point, I went, okay, Samuel's in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had more information than the beat writers than, than the bottom last year. That was, a, that was a train wreck. Let's move on to the tight ends, though, with our obvious starter. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. We love George Kittle. He's an animal. He's fun. He's probably the closest thing we had to Gronk, both in his play and his off-the-field personality. His ADP is at tight end four. I got him ranked at tight end three. Obviously, the top NFC West tight end. I do think he is, to some degree, Trey Lance proof. The thing that gets in George Kittle's way is he never really plays a full season. And he's only—he's probably the only tight end I can think of where his fantasy value on a per-week basis is actually tied to whether or not Trent Williams, a left tackle on the team, is healthy. Because when he's not healthy, he, he has to, he turns to the left tackle. He has to block. Look at the games where Trent Williams was either banged up or didn't play. George Kittle did nothing in the passing game. So that's, that's why I can't put him over, say, a Mark Andrews, who I have at tight end, too. But he's so good in those blow-up games, I can't put him any lower. I, I'm, I'm not going to put him lower than Kyle Pitts, which right now is what the ADP is. They have Pitts at three, George Kittle at four. I can't do it because he's that good. Look at last year. Pitts had all those targets, and Kittle still outperformed him. So I'm not going to put him lower than that guy, and I do think he's Lance-proof. Chris, am I wrong? I think it depends on how you're evaluating them. And this is where Bobby me to speak a little bit more. I'm more on consistency of guys. For George Kittle, I had him on my fantasy team last year, and it was all over the radar. Week in, week out, whatever you got, you had no freaking clue. And you talked about Trey Lance being, you know, George Kittle proof. That wasn't the case the first game. I know that for sure. I don't know what happened in the Houston game. I'd look at the numbers for that. But I know that first game, George Kittle did crap. So I know that Trey Lance, when it comes down to it, I don't think helps up passing attack. We talked about that earlier. But George Kittle worries me. He isn't, he isn't game plan for very often for Kyle Shanahan. When he does do it once every five, six, seven, eight games when we have no idea, it, he blows up. But then he might disappear for the next three or four games. And we expect him to have great matchups or tantalized matchups, really to see, you know, get utilized like you expect him to. And then add the fact that you talked about, you know, that offensive line, 
he's basically like glorified external alignment. A lot of questions with Alex Mack on. I know he's an interior guy, but at this point, our offensive line is not as good as it has been. So I feel I worry about George Kittle, and he's going to be that kind of that, that top guy. I think he lives off his name more so than the actual week in, week out production. I'll put this out there against Houston. Only two targets, one catch, 29 yards. It happened to go for a touchdown, so his fantasy finish wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like he was targeted much in that. I mean, Bob, what do you think about George Kittle then? Well, you know, prior to last year, he used to be very consistent, but not consistently on the field. Like you said, health problems. Last year, he only missed three games, which, you know, actually is pretty good for him. Yeah. Fourth in total points rank, but 57% consistency. That ranked him 12th amongst all tight ends that's barely over 50 that you know it's barely over half the games uh and he missed three so like you said he was all over the board he had some huge weeks but he also had some duds and you know 57 percent consistency and that was with garoppolo you know most of the time i'm kind of a little worried i have him ranked as my tight end four um but again i it's not somebody that i've been targeting I'm either I'm usually going late tight end anyway. I thought the touchdowns too. This one, I thought I had an real quick. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, George Kittle scored a lot of touchdowns. I think that's something that people forget about too. He should. This doesn't seem to do so. You know what? And after talking to you guys, I made move George Kittle down because your arguments are are not wrong. Are not wrong at all. Uh, I don't know about it too far down, but maybe a little further down. Let's look out for some of these other guys. Look out for. All right, so Zach Ertz, I have him as a top 10 tight end. His ADP is number 10. I got him ranked at 9, especially the first six weeks while Hopkins is out. That's the key. Hopkins comes back. Zach Ertz could likely just fall off a cliff. So when you go into these drafts and you're looking for these tight ends late and looking for value late, are you going to bother taking a Zach Ertz, Chris, if you know in the back of your mind you're probably going to want to have to move on from him after six weeks? Probably not. I'm not a big Zach Ertz fan. I think that this guy was like this close from being out of the league last year. So I got to see physically he can hold up again. I know they had a great run for the end of the season, as you alluded to. That was basically through attrition. There was no healthy receivers on that Arizona offense for the most part. They had Wesley out there at one point. Um, so I think Zach Ertz kind of lived off of that. He got paid. He drafted another tight end. I thought Arizona played a lot of four receivers. I thought they were an air raid offense. So I'm trying to figure out how all these pieces are going to fit. Um, they have Max Williams is back also. So Zach Ertz to me is a guy that I'm trying to avoid. Kind of like Bob, with, he might be my top 10 where you might like him there, but I'm not going to, he's a guy I'm avoiding in drafting. It's another one. It's, it's hard because you project him with the numbers and he winds up being around that area. So it's hard to move him down further than that, but you don't really necessarily like the upside. Four games with DeAndre Hopkins last year, he was the tight end 16. Uh, Bob, do you feel any differently about Zach Ertz? I absolutely feel differently about Zach Ertz. When he joined the Cardinals last year, for the, that remainder of the season, he was fourth in total points, 88% consistency, led all tight ends in the second half of the year uh, with no D-hop. And even when D-hop comes back, let's be honest, now we got those two guys. Uh, we got Marquise Brown on one side, D-hop on the other side. That leaves the entire middle of the field open for Zach Ertz. I feel like he can get those. Again, I, I'm not expecting him to set the world on fire, but you know, five catches, for 50 yards, guess what? That earns a clutch game. That's 10 points, and that's what you know. You only need eight and a half. Uh, I don't think he's going to get any 20-point weeks, but I think he'll get a lot of 10 to 15, and that's really what you want out of your a late round tight end. You can get this guy in round nine or 10. I'm all in on Zach Ertz as one of my favorite late round guys. Well, you mentioned the middle of the field being wide open. We'll end the show on this question. Rondale Moore. We didn't really get to talk about him too much during the receiver. But do you not expect him to take that slot receiver role when Hopkins and Marquise Brown are out there and getting him worked in in the middle of the field? I mean, I think he will, but I think Murray really had quite a quite a, a repertoire or, or you know rapport with Zacherts last year. He really seemed to gel well with him in the offense. Um, obviously, he didn't as much with Rondale. I think that Ertz will continue to be that guy in the middle of the field just because of that veteran trust with Kyler Murray. I still have him as a top ten tight end, so I can't argue too harshly with that. You have him seven, so we're not we're not too far off. Honestly, right. I just I don't have as much upside or as much excitement about drafting him there. But I can't ignore the numbers are there. Ertz always, I mean, he just finds a way to get targets. Even right. with Dallas Goddard behind him with the Eagles, he just he always finds a way. 
Bob, before we leave this show, I want you to talk about the Fantasy Football Expo. And I know they have the quarterback challenges open, the flag football's open. What are some other things people should be checking out going on over there, getting signed up for? Well, I mean, the best thing to do is just go get your ticket and get the VIP weekend package that gets you into everything. So Friday night party where we got the cornhole tournament, which is already full, but definitely come and watch. We'll definitely be playing cornhole after the tournament's over. Um, you know, that's a great time. We had that last year. Saturday night party is going to be inside the dome, this brand new dome they've just built. They just put down the turf today. It literally will be brand new. Like it'll be open one week prior to us getting in there. Uh, for they have an opening for the Hall of Fame. Uh, but we're going to do that quarterback skills challenge, a flag football tournament in there. Um, and then Sunday is the big day, 50 booths uh, full with every genre of fantasy goodness you can think of. Um, you know, the belly up guys, you got to be there. That's going to be awesome. Um, all kinds of panel discussions. So, guys, if you want to get on one of those panels, let me know what uh, which ones you want to get on. We'll get you on there. And it's everything from IDP to a, you know, the um, uh, DFS, sports betting, redraft, dynasty, Devi, uh, you name a genre, man. We're, we've got a high stakes, uh, best ball. So definitely come. The great thing is, you know, if you don't get into all the sessions, because there's going to be four running at the same time, uh, we're going to videotape them all. And as a ticket holder, you will have access to all of those videos after the expo is over. So if you miss something, don't worry about it. You can watch it later. Yeah, and I, I, I'll just remind you, Bob, I did an email about this before. Definitely redraft panel. Hook me You're up. Right. <laughs> hey, guys, that's going to do it for the show. We'll be back next week with our last, our last team profile episode. We're going to count down the AFC West. That one's just going to be me and Chris. We got a lot of stuff to go back and forth on on that. I don't even, I don't think I would have room for a guest to be able to speak. We have so many things to go back and forth on the AFC West next week. So that's why we're glad to get Bob in here today. After that, starting in August, two episodes a week, guys. Wednesdays at 10 p.m., Thursdays at 10 p.m., right here on YouTube at the MD Spanish Football Show YouTube channel. So make sure you have that subscribed. Download us on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you all next week. Thanks, guys. Can I carry those for you? Wow, thanks. Hey, I saw that. You helped the guy in the wheelchair take his groceries to the car, always showing your good side. Know how else you could help him? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicines. By donating at Griffles Plasma, you make it possible for patients to live their best lives. And that feels really good. Hey, thanks again. No problem. Become a Griffles Plasma donor, and you can receive up to $800 this month. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.